Hey guys, welcome back to Blessed Child Podcast. It's your host, Renee, aka Ren Robot. Oh, yeah, that's how this week feels, right? A lot has been going on. A lot. And I think speaking as a second generation cult survivor, I have been extremely dysregulated. My nervous system has been way out of whack, but not in the typical sense of expressing dread and fear and normal anxiety um, and depression. But like as a second gen cult survivor, I've been disassociated, numb, dizzy. I can't even name the emotions that are flowing through my body because I'm so detached from reality right now. I have reverted back to my coping skills and that I have grown up with and it's awful but I do now have the language to identify what is happening and so I'm going to share with you what I've you know reflected with myself and maybe possibly you can relate. So I woke up dizzy and I didn't know why I felt disembodied, dissociated, numb Um, and not until I got to work to tattoo and met with someone and started talking, co-regulating, being very intentional with my movements. Uh, Tattooing is a very grounding practice I've mentioned before for me. And so I get back into my body and I can actually address and feel all these numb, distant emotions. And so as I was tattooing, I noticed, okay, there's anxiety. Okay, so that dizziness and that dissociation that I was experiencing, okay, that was actually anxiety. Um, and it was flowing through my entire body. And and of course, you know, there's talk of war. There is war. There is violence. Whenever there's stress like this on a on a global scale, there's going to be dysregulation. That's just the natural chain of events. That's human. So all of us are probably experiencing some sort of reaction to this global stress. And I want to tell you, it's totally normal. If you're a multi-generational cult survivor, or if you're just, you know, you're just trying to make it, it's, it's okay to have dysregulation. So what I'm going to do is encourage you to find ways to regulate your emotions, be it through connection through journaling, through meditating, through physical exercise or physical activity, whatever you have to do to regulate those emotions, just know that you're not alone and that we can do this together. The other thing I want to remember and reiterate is something Marina said earlier in these episodes is that you have to celebrate the little things. When you're experiencing severe depression and anxiety, you have to celebrate the little things. And we do have a very big thing to celebrate here on this podcast. So I'll give you a little bit of good news. The good news is that this podcast and our stories have been heard by the editors and sponsors of International Cultic Studies Association, which is a very large organization that provides resources for cult survivors and families. It's a very good educational resource, and we have been put on their webpage as a resource for the Unification Church. So that is a huge celebration. Let's celebrate that our voice is getting out there, and we're going to be able to make some real change and help a lot of people. That's something to celebrate in the midst of all of this chaos. There is something to celebrate. And let's get back to the podcast. We're going to do the second part of Elizabeth Community with Misik and Hakja. If you haven't heard Hakja's story, we were 
covering purity culture in the Unification Church and dating and relating to ourselves and how we um, distinguish between healthy and unhealthy relationships and coping strategies and and how how we do all that post cult. Um, but we we got onto a very serious topic, and I think that this platform is just what Hakja deserves because Hakja's unique story is one of shunning, excommunication, child abuse, child neglect, child labor trafficking, exploitation. If you want to catch up, rewind, pause, rewind, go listen to the last episode. Um, But, you know, her story, she was a youth pastor from the time she was 16 years old. She was given kids from the age of three years old to to 16. Uh, She was given kids on the weekend from six 5 6 p.m till midnight sometimes parents wouldn't even pick up these children and she was left to fend for herself and everyone else um and then uh, some nasty rumors started spreading about her because she wanted to take more charge in leadership and instead of leaders actually coming up to hakja to discuss their concerns or their opinions instead of doing the healthy thing and the good leadership thing where, where you actually have direct communication they spread nasty rumors about her until she was literally excommunicated and shunned from the entire community. So this story infuriates me because it is Hakja's unique story, but I swear to God, I've heard this story so many times before. It is not an isolated incident. If you are in the Unification Church, then chances are you could bet money that anywhere there's a youth group, there's been exploitation, there's been labor trafficking, there's been child abuse, child neglect, and some toxic toxic hierarchy and power dynamics so i am very very honored to have hawk's story on this podcast and this platform let's get started on the episode we're going to talk more about relationships how we relate to ourselves and how we distinguish between healthy and unhealthy thanks for sticking around i will talk with you guys again next week. I'm so excited. We are going to have a guest from the International Cultic Studies Association on the podcast. Fingers crossed everything goes well. (sighs) Hang in there. Survive. I can guarantee you one thing. The world keeps turning. I can guarantee you one thing that the next day will come. So you might as well take up space and live with intention because you're you're going to be here. Let's do it. Here we go. And, and and in this story, like theology and faith, it doesn't matter. I don't take into account anything, any of the theology or faith. Just look at the situation. You were a 16-year-old girl responsible for 40-plus children from 6 to midnight that was walking home at night with, like, you didn't have the proper support or foundation to be watching these children. You didn't even have the proper support to be watching yourself. You could have easily been murdered walking home and all this. Like, that's not safe. Like none of this is Some okay. People love that. They're no. like, wow, look at her spirituality. She's no. so wow. No, and what was going on with school? What was going on with your grades? You should have been studying. You should have been having high school experience. I'm so proud of you for getting through college or you know, just being here today. It's fighting all of that, fighting all of that toxic that community. When a community shits on you, you usually don't make it out. But you did, and you're here and and shake, <laughs> shake it out. <laughs> All you need to sweat it out, shake it out, speak, speak it out, use your voice. I need to go back to the sauna. (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, school is a whole nother story. Yeah, I don't I know. know how I made it out. <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. I don't know. I didn't have a lot of the same experiences as you guys did, because I think I think my parents are a little different. They raised me a little like, I don't know, we a little crazy here. Let's just <laughs> say that your parents are super strict from what I've heard. They're, they are, but they're not. They're also such rebellious people, like in their childhood up to when they grew up. And I don't know. I think, I don't know. Because, like, I thought they would be mad, but also it's like, I think they understand. And they're also people who have, like, rebelled against groups and people to do what's right. And I, I don't know. I think that made me like that <laughs> problematic <For sure. laughs> no you are your own person yeah the church didn't allow for people to be themselves that's why you were a problem to them you were just yourself trying to be yourself yeah oh, everybody really hates me it's really bad <laughs> They're just a scapegoat for their own insecurities, their own issues. Yeah, yeah. When I was in the church and I saw somebody, you know, leaving the course, sure, I would pass judgment on them, but it wasn't because of them. It was because I kind of wanted to do that too. And they were creating an opportunity for me to express what I thought about myself. And it was awful when I look back at the judgment I passed on people when I should have been supporting them in a hard time. And hopefully one day the people that did that to you will be where I am now and realize that it was wrong. And I'm sorry, you know, that you had to go through that. It's okay. I know they're not like, it's not their fault. Like I don't blame them. I think we're all, we've all been in their shoes. So it's just, it's the cycle it's what you have to go through that's what it means to leave and that's why people don't want to leave <laughs> or if they do they do it in silence you know mm-hmm. there's so much you're risking there's so much fear and that feeling of like you're gonna be alone and you're literally gonna lose all the support you ever had that's a scary thing to just choose to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean, some people, some people are like supportive-ish, but like, you know, it is true. That is the risk. I think we have to be honest that that's, that's the reality that you do risk everything. But sometimes you have to, like, it's like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you risk it all? Why would you put yourself through that? It's like, because every, like, this is that bad, this, that toxic it feels like everything is a lie so much so that I would risk everything to leave (laughs) you know yeah exactly you said it so well done with all of that nonsense I'm done with the people pretending to care and join GPA and like hey girl have you been I've been praying about you and all those nonsense uh, messages I just I was over it so condescending just be there just be real real you know I think your real friends will true show themselves even if it's just one or two 
It's better than a fake, not a fake, but a weak foundation of a community. I feel like if you've seen Encanto, it's like the house is breaking. The house is breaking. The foundation is bad. The foundation is trauma and everybody's trying to be something that they're not. And people are getting into marriages that they don't actually want to be into. And people are acting strong when they actually just want to cry (laughs) and nobody can be themselves. But, you know, for you, the house already fell. The house already broke and you're building a new foundation. A long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's why I was like, why not? Why not? It's fine. There's no house anyway. (laughs) yeah but yeah I do have like one one standing person left BC so you know who you are (laughs) they better ride or die love that and sometimes that's all you need that's all Mm -hmm. you need I had yeah 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 Ooh, this episode. I'm is sorry. A- I feel like we went on such a tangent. <laughs> so, like, something not on the list. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, it's how you relate to yourself and like your first important relationships. I think it's very connected to how we perceive relationships now. Like, what was your first big betrayal? You know, that's a lot of grief to process and then to try to like, show up into our relationship and yeah we can say like we haven't dated a lot when we were young but we had a lot of relationships and a lot of expectations on like how relationships should be yeah. like contingent on all these roles that we had to fit into so of course we're going to carry that into how we interact now yeah you have a lot of betrayal I would say from that story um, surrounding relationships, there's a lot of trust issues uh, yeah. that stem from that kind of community. There's a lot of like betrayal trauma. And um, and I know from chakras, <laughs> little side note of um, that loss in grief and love trauma is carried in the chest. And th- if you find yourself, you know, having chest pain or anxiety and that could be related to that you might carry it there. So there's some work to do to help release that energy. I had a psychic tell me something like that. And I was just like, what do you, what are you, like, what do you mean? And I didn't understand. And she's just like, there's like a blockage and it comes from like this and this and this. And she was kind of like telling me things that happened in my life, like very specific. Like wow. I like super specific. And I was just like, like, I don't like, because I was always taught to be superstitious of that stuff. Right. Like in Latin culture, you're very superstitious of all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. It was so accurate that I was like, actually, I want more. But she was like, okay, that, but that's $300. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. What a skin. I think, I think, you know, there's like a science of where you store trauma. You know, you can store it in your pelvis or your stomach or your chest or your head. And it's related to different emotions. And that's not like voodoo or it's kind of i don't know it's just the chakras no, that's science that's literal science that's why people cry when they go to the chiropractor because yeah exactly release that energy and people cry <laughs> damn i want to cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's a real thing and it not you know we're just putting words to where you know trauma's stored so it can be released mm-hmm. and this yeah. is 
Yeah, I think I think our listeners um, from the demographics and the statistics I have, most of my listeners are local to headquarters, like in oh. Japan and Brazil and the Philippines. I showed you, Lisa, you saw the the statistics. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe more of our listeners than realize might have situations like this where they've been, you know, if they if they stand out in the community, then they'll get their heads cut off, kind of thing. So it keeps a, a lot of people from deviating the course but there are a lot of listeners so i think it's important to share stories that are very focused on this kind of community that you just got out of um i think there's going to be more people that can relate than than not and yeah. and might be in that situation right now where their whole the floor fell out from under them and um just want to say you know sometimes it's good maybe that foundation wasn't any good <laughs> definitely not I think the whole church was like founded upon the success of my youth group and once that was gone the, like literally they lost the church they were I don't know like I don't wow. know exactly what happened but they had to like go from so many different buildings and yeah it wasn't working out <laughs> everything fell apart for them and then I feel like well yeah I mean that's what you get <laughs> right Exactly. No, you worth. had me and you lost me. Mm. No, you're <laughs> worth. Exactly. Yeah, it is. What it is. But I'm glad. Like, if they didn't kick me out, I would have still been in it. I would have still been doing everything for them. So, mm -hmm. blessing in disguise, I guess. They didn't have to be that brutal, but, <laughs> you know. Seriously. <sighs> yeah. And on the side note, you were in a relationship with somebody that went to GPA. I feel like that kind of gaslighting happened to me too. Like endless text messages. You should be a leader. You should do this. You should live for the sake of others. You should do, 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 do. nothing for yourself. Nothing for yourself. Yeah, no. He even would call me selfish and all this kind of stuff and like would talk me down. And he was not that person when he went into GPA. Uh, his family didn't even go to church for most of their life. And then suddenly he knew more than about DP than me. I was like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because first of all, I know the DP back and forth. Right. I've been studying it since I was like a child. So you can't talk down to me. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> but um, but I trusted him because he's in the church and he must know and it must be for my well-being. He would never do that for my not well-being, right? So like you just you just believe and you trust and you pray. You see the good in them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I decided, like, I like enough was enough because he made so many rules. Like, I couldn't call him terms of endearment anymore. I could only call him on, like, a certain time or a certain day. And it would, I don't know, just so many rules that he put more and more and more that I was just like, okay, I can't anymore. And then he was just, like, looking at me all confused, like, like, and then he called me later and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you knew. I broke up with you, like, a year ago. And I'm like, <laughs> That no is way. So Jesus. <sighs> people are so I mean like you said we're not taught the social skills even something like breaking up with someone he just said he needed a spiritual like a break to focus on his spirituality because GPA oh my god <laughs> but um... he was still talking about the blessing he was still like don't you want to get blessed like we have to do this we have to do that and I'm just like 
but I thought you said we were broken up. I don't know. <laughs> I I remember being broken up with by a let's do a 40 day no talking condition. <laughs> <laughs> We never talked again. I was like, you. <laughs> Boys in the church are so stupid. Oh, seriously. Seriously. Oh, my God. My you ex- can't even say broken up, though, because you weren't ever actually dating. It was like you were like there was a matching prospect. Um, Another person broke up with me like, I'm going to do Jeep. I'm going to go off to my missionary program and then like never talk again. I don't know. It happens. It happens. It kind of happened to me too. It's okay. Like, it's okay. Those relationships weren't meant to be anything, just a learning experience. So that's okay. Um, They, you know, they were, they were kids too. And the stakes were so high, like marriage. Come on now. You're like 17, 18. Like you let's have nothing going on for you right now. No, like, like no the, life prospects. Right e- now. E- even that, um, that theology is like such garbage. Like we need to unsubscribe from the true love and the like marriage uh, with somebody you just met kind of thing. That's so bad. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad those didn't work out for, for me. That's yeah, but then they'll just argue and say that, oh, but that's not how it really is. There's a whole process. But as if any, you know, I know the process. I have read the books. I have read the things and nobody follows it. Nobody follows it. I'm just like, you can't tell me that you follow the process. I'm pretty sure that nobody follows the process exactly anymore. It's just it's bullshit. Well, that the, is convenient for them. The process you know. is broken. Yeah. But the real process, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> seriously oh yeah i don't think you should marry anybody that you just met and i feel like, feel that pressure yeah seven months is not enough either anyway because that's what yeah. they'll say no but we have time we have seven months minimum and you're supposed to have and it's like seven months to someone you did not know before who does not know themselves yes you, know, you can't <laughs> not gonna work Wait, is that the new protocol? Seven months instead of three days? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're but trying. No, but people don't follow that, you know? Yeah. And even when you want to break a matching, you're supposed to wait a year. And wow. Do like, yeah, but nobody does that. Nobody does that. So it's like, it's all lies. People are, people are liars. <laughs> and, oh, you know what stresses me? I don't know if you guys ever went through the process. Did you? I mean... Yeah, for a second, but like, uh-huh. but then my mom showed me a picture of a guy from China, and I was like, "Really, mom? <laughs> you want me to go to China?" Like, I was eighteen. I was like, "That was such a smack." Like, I smack feel like the-, the process starts so young. It's like you do the ilshim. I mean, first you learn the DP, and then you do the ilshim, and then you do your fasting, and then you do your seven day fast, and the blessing workshop level one, level two, like. And then right. your missionary so, work and you fill out the forms. Like, is that the process you're speaking of or is this a new process? Uh, it's it, Some of it's the same, but I mean, the part, the part that I'm like really like thinking about right now is the interview. I don't know if you guys had to do the interview. Yeah, that was like Where black. Kind yeah. of divulge all your secrets, all your trauma. Uh, your past, and whoever does it, they hold on to that paper until you're blessed. And I've just been realizing this lady has literal blackmail just in her drawers, just in her house, and she could just use it whenever she wants. And and that's scary. And I'm just like, I'm never getting blessed. So she's going to have that paper forever. 
Um, yeah, it's filed with headquarters. Actually, my my confession is still with uh, Family Federation for World Peace headquarters. They they keep that. And you know what? It's it's whatever. It's garbage. Like I don't know what kind of pervert like reads that stuff for erotica fiction or something. But it's messed up. It's really really messed up that they have it. It's it's pedophilic because you know some of us are sixteen seventeen when we do those confessions, and then um, yeah, and it's blackmail. It's extortion. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an awful practice, and it that nobody has a right to your sexual history. Even your therapist doesn't ask for that. They're not qualified. They're not qualified for that kind of stuff. They're and not qualified. No, nobody's qualified for that. And what what are you what are you supposed to feel like emotionally after you divulge that kind of information and then get no support, no recommendations, nothing? No, like I don't think it's right. I think it's so so wrong. It's so wrong. There's no boundaries, no privacy. They can judge you on it. Parents can get access mm-hmm. to it and then read it and judge you on it based on what you said. And, and I just mean, be like, no, like, no, she's not good enough for me. Like, mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. people, and some people lie on it, but some people don't. Um, so it's, it sounds like forced access to all your vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you have um, access to somebody's vulnerabilities, you can make them do whatever you want. <laughs> and they did, you know, after you do the confession, then you go fundraise and be labor trafficked for one to three years or missionary work at CARP. It's just psychologically, it's a really big step in the cultic control, psychologically, like speaking. Yeah, I think people don't talk about how traumatic that is for people that every time you want to go into the process with someone, you have to divulge everything horrible and secretive any anything that could be perceived as a flaw that's what you first you know like hey I'm mentally unstable and I have all this trauma (laughs) do you want to marry me (laughs) Mm. you know I feel so bad because I know there's so many people in the process and Mm. older people who have been trying for so many years and have gone through so much heartbreak and it's just like I feel for them I feel so bad you know, that they're stuck and that they feel like they just have no other choice but to keep going, to keep reliving their past over and over and over. I feel without, so bad. Without it being received, too, because like sexual assault is just called, you know, fallen nature. So it's not even you can tell somebody you were assaulted, but all they hear is, well, you're kind of sexually impure. So I'm going to judge you on that instead of, oh, my God. We need to get you're a victim. Yes, we need to we need to get you to feel safe in your body again. I don't know how many people I told, and it was and so I even framed it as I'm dirty. It's my fault. I I'm broken, and there's no coming back from this because that's what society told me through all these processes, through all this psychological manipulation of confession, and then the review process. The process um, is so daunting and so miserable and toxic that you start framing yourself that way, that you'll never come back from that, or you're spiritually tainted. Um, and it's not, those people aren't licensed to take care of any of this stuff. So we got to reframe it, you know, for anybody listening, that's gone through the process and you've, you know, in, like let people in and they haven't seen you for what, what pain you've been through, or they've judged you and made it worse or solidified this view of yourself. It needs to be undone. Like, uh, yeah, if you've got, yeah, Misako. I think anyone that feels like you have to, they're loving you by wanting you to suffer in order to grow as a person is like, 
definitely not someone that has your best interests in mind or cares about you. If their belief is that I want you to suffer because I love you and I care about you, that's like the most distorted view of you could have. Like, yeah. I'm just yeah, realizing. You don't, have to. you don't have to go through that. It's not necessary to grow. It's not necessary to be a good person. It's not necessary to be like a spiritually elevated person. It's not. It's really not. And people make it seem like that's the only path to those kinds of things is pain. You have to go through pain for everything. I feel like when you confess your sexual um, experiences with someone, they they make it about themselves and not about you. Like, I've, I don't think anybody ever asked me like, oh, how do you feel now? Like, do you feel safe? Like, you know, they were just like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's, that's on your, your profile now. We'll put that there. That's, you know, one point off, six points off. Yeah. Minus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like minus true, a few though. points. They never They're made really- it about. Yeah. It was always about them in relation to them. And like, that's not about you. That's about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's personal information. Yeah, I think that goes back to Masek's first question of how do you relate to yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, take back your sexual autonomy from a really toxic cult that has no sense of boundaries and privacy that has taken away your autonomy your whole life. With this one practice, I mean, it solidifies it of confession before a matching process. Like, that's awful. Yeah. I think you have to get angry. I think a part of the process is getting really mad. And because, you know, anger serves its purpose and knowing your value and knowing your worth. And I think you just have to get mad like that this happened to you and that you deserve better. And like, how dare they? How dare they treat you like that? Like you're worth way more than that. And anyone who tries to make you feel smaller, like who the hell are they to say that to you? Like they're not, they're just another person. They're not better than you just Mm -hmm. because they have this title or they're third gen now or this or whatever. I remember when like post all the craziness of, the church stuff that happened like leaders would try to talk to me or I don't know people just like try to you know and they come in like all this like confident energy and just like you know I'm the boss type of energy and then just talk to me and I'd be like nah I don't feel like it now nah, I'm good I did my two years I'm out and I would just talk to them like that and they would just look at me like, <laughs> like I love it yes you. they don't need so- any explanation from you yes mm-hmm. You don't have to explain I was just so blunt and so I was just angry <laughs> I didn't care yeah. anymore so I was just I just told it like it was for the most part without being a little, without being too too crazy because you know my parents were right there so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah good for you I feel that if somebody's listening to this that has access to the confession forms I um am asking you publicly to burn them publicly <laughs> all of them because even if you want to do that even if you want to be matched and blessed like you shouldn't have to do that Mm -hmm. because your worth doesn't come from your past anyway that kind of practice should not exist it's it's awful it's so fucked up Mm -mm, mm -mm. and speaking of anger recently my therapist was asking me like it feels like i'm i turned my anger inwards and into sadness instead of 
saying like I have a hard time saying that I'm angry at someone because I feel like it gives them the power over how I feel but really anger is like you just saying that what you did was wrong and what you did hurt me and it's acknowledging that you have value and like your emotional state matters in any relationship and you should be able to express when you feel hurt yeah I think there's a lot of fear too in making sure that when you express that that you don't hurt their feelings and that they don't get sad but then I I don't know where I heard it but it was like oh they're sad because they they hurt you they betrayed your trust like oh how horrible that they're sad (laughs) and then I learned like wait yeah you're you're supposed to be sad you did something bad you should be sad about it learn you know do better (laughs) Mm, I love that it's not bad every emotion serves purpose and if someone's sad I mean they're sad and they gotta work that out and you're not being cruel you're just being honest about how you're feeling and what they did that hurt you you know there's nothing wrong about that it's just all this like back to what you were saying earlier about lack of accountability you know like you're not taught how to how to do that and and so you try to do it for other people but you can't so mm-hmm. what a like listening to this like you can be angry when you're wronged I think you can also be angry when you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> I just experienced that last week. Like I made a mistake, but I was so angry. I was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so, and I just like expressed it to somebody I trusted. And I was like, I know I'm wrong, but I'm so mad. And just like getting it out, just to get it out and like put up boundaries. And they were for myself, apparently. They weren't for anybody else. They were my own boundaries. I had to, yeah. you know, anger was the the energy I needed to build boundaries for myself when I made a mistake. I'm like, so anger is such a powerful tool just to build boundaries, I think, and to, you know, like be a pinball in a machine. And sometimes it's you, that's the pinball and that's okay. As long as you have like a trusted, you know, person or even just yourself and just talk with yourself, honestly, like anger is a good tool. Anger is a really good tool. There's no reason to turn it inwards sometimes. Especially for girls who are taught to be docile, submissive creatures. Yeah. Anger is the most important thing I think sometimes definitely yeah I'm still turning my anger inwards music but I'm learning to like regulate I was thinking ways. I miss I miss kickboxing I feel like kickboxing <laughs> helped me process so <laughs> much somebody <laughs> punching something really hard oh that was like it helped me process so much yeah that sounds good mm. I need an outlet like that yeah Wow. What a, what a conversation. Um, yeah, I guess in a way, this is all kind of just like laying down the foundation for why we were the way we are, why we are the way we are kind of why we're working through the things we're working through, why conflict resolution and avoidant, what did you call it? Avoidant spirituality or spiritual avoidance or spiritual bypassing spiritual avoidance and spiritual bypassing these are all such a big part of the conversation in the ex Mooney community just kind of validating where we came from so we know where we are whatever spectrum we are at i'm coming from this i think is important to just validate and if you're experiencing issues with this be like yeah it's real it's real like that's how we were expected to relate to others you know 
there was these expectations on both ends and yeah i i will always say like we heard the word perfect a lot growing up which a lot of kids are not supposed to hear that from such a young age and also being told to be like perfect objects and that just being like a normal thing and then realizing later like how it, how much it was conditioning us to just mirror back to people instead of internally asking ourselves like do I want this like do I feel okay with this do I want to do something else and li- literally never being asked I feel like my parents like never asked like what I thought or what I felt about something and if you're not even given the option to inwardly think of, uh, through things then how do you know that that's something that you can do you know if you've never seen it done and if you've never been asked how do you know like how could you know you know I feel like um for me I'm on the other end of that is like my parents asked me what I wanted to do and like I want to go to Korea okay you're going to Korea like (laughs) I can make the choices without having the information and the knowledge so still like on the other spectrum is like there is a a knowledge base that you need like you spend your life building that was the right answer that was the right choice like it was a spiritual you know it made you spiritually i don't know more it was supposed to make you more connected to the church yeah closer i think in both examples there's a foundational lack of knowledge and education and just like building a framework of understanding critically thinking and stuff like that Mm -hmm. oh yeah I mean once I found out what happens in Champyong I was like "Uh uh-uh I'm never going I don't care if I want to reach spiritual enlightenment I'm not going because I don't want to get naked with people (laughs) (laughs) Uh, after the first time you you feel so comfortable sharing with people it's not a big deal I was not ready for that (laughs) except for the cameras in the showers there's cameras. No, there weren't. Yeah, there are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. They had cameras in there to make sure nobody would do some crazy shit because there's a bunch of psychos, mentally unstable people, but also maybe they were filming. I don't know. That's so... I'm so glad I didn't go. I'm mm-hmm. so glad. <laughs> and plus, on, when I heard about Ansu and all that, I was like, uh-uh, I'm not just going mm-hmm. to get beat and to shower yeah. naked and no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't climb a mountain. I have asthma. <laughs> mm. Girl, yeah. I hear you. And that was yeah. good. Good thinking. Look at you. Um, I like that. If I had asthma, I'd be like, oh, I better go to Champion so I can beat it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Spiritual condition. Like that. That's very smart of you. I'm proud of you for thinking that way. Seriously, I just had a lot of. I was in the hospital a lot, so I think it. I think I have a different sense of like bodily autonomy because I was always fighting to survive so that my body was working. So if I thought something was bad, like, like I can't do that. I'm going to die. I don't, I can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. so I had that sense of autonomy um, in a way because mm-hmm. I had to, I had to put in the work, yeah, to take care of myself like that. You had to assess your needs. Yeah. I do have a question. Did your parents put your needs first too, or was that something you did naturally? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. With the hospital stuff, that was 
my own journey that I had to go through because mm. you know parents are just you know they just want you to get better but um because there's so much fear like I was told I was never gonna walk I was told that I was gonna be a cripple and I was just like a kid I was probably like 11 years old and they were saying that just to scare me to doing the work to going to physical therapy but I had so much trauma from physical therapy and all this stuff I was getting nightmares I'm pretty sure I have PTSD just from all the hospital stuff so I had to put in the work I had to like break my own body to make it work by myself and there was no one that was going to be able to help me with that I had to do it I had to put myself through so much pain or else yeah they're right maybe maybe I wouldn't be able to like do certain things right now like the only thing the only reason why I can is because I I did it to myself so yeah but to be working with that much fear too instead of like any shred of like reassurance I had to learn I had to be like because I realized I was giving so much hate to my body and I was just like well everybody gives me all this like hate and all this negative energy and I was like I have to so what I started doing I started like telling my body like thank you like you're doing your best like thank you for like trying you know and I think that helped a lot because I was just I'm like, you're just doing your best. Like a body is just a body. It's literally working 24 seven to keep you alive. And I had to just like step back and appreciate that. And then me put in the equal work to love my body back the way it loved me, you know, because mm. in itself, that's a relationship to, you know, loving your body as much as it's loving and taking care of you every day. I would just cry and be like, oh, my God, when I came to that realization, like, my body loves me. And I just I'm giving it so much hate for being difficult. I was like, that's so bad. That's a, such a toxic relationship. And right. so I changed that's it. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. What were you thinking about, Renee? What was I what? So many no. thoughts. Um, first of oh. all, with your final statement, Hakja, it is so healing to love your body and to really embrace your body for everything it gives you. That is the most healing mindset I've ever come across with my body relationship is just thanking my body that I'm here in this vessel and creating a healthy um, connection. It's very, very powerful, but also I'm shocked that you had that struggle and we're still thrown 40 children at the age of 16. It doesn't make any, that makes it so much worse. That doesn't make any sense to me that any parent, mm-hmm. anybody in any adult in the community could have thought that that was smart or safe or good for you. I mean, obviously nobody had your safety or other kids' safety in mind. It's just complete negligence. And it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like you were supported. Actually, you mm-hmm. were given way much more weight than you should have ever, ever been given and that makes me so frustrated i wish i could just talk to these parents and give them a little bit of critical thinking and common sense you have a child with asthma and other body conditions that you're just dropping children off this is like to watch this is not safe this is not okay i just want to drive that home it's totally irresponsible and that makes me so mad right that you had to shoulder this when you had to be like you were 16, 17, just supposed to be doing high school and figuring yourself out. Like instead you were focused on everything else but yourself for so long. Yeah. 
I mean, and you throw in a couple of homicidal exes and <laughs> things get complicated. Oh my God, my child's, my high school time was really crazy. I don't know. Damn. I don't know why anyone didn't do something. Mm, that's that's hard. Yeah. I think coming from the ex-community community, like a lot of us feel very wronged. Abandoned abandoned neglected um and abused when it when it really mattered like when it really came down to it like the feeling of like no one has your back is like it's got to be the scariest feeling in the world for sure it's you also are never taught about these things you're never taught what abuse looks like where like power dynamics are a thing you don't know how to recognize these bad things for what they are it's just labeled as oh something must be wrong with you you must be in the wrong environment you must be doing something wrong um you didn't pray enough you didn't do enough conditions that's why this is happening to you you know you're Mm -hmm. never taught to give other people like you just you're you don't blame other people you're not taught to do that you're taught to do the complete opposite and put it all on yourself so even if you are in danger and you are alone, I I will take full responsibility that, yeah, maybe I didn't ask for help the way I needed to, but I didn't know also. Like, right. how do you know if you're never taught any of that? You're just put at a complete disadvantage and you have no way to advocate for yourself. You just made me realize that, like, being negative was seen as, like, you being selfish or you there's something there being something wrong with you so I was wondering why I have such a hard time like expressing any negative preferences or any negative opinions that I have now and I'm realizing now that it's if we said anything negative it was dismissed and it was like your problem now even though you were voicing something that was hurting you You're like, no, you're being negative. So now it's your problem and your fault and you have to pray about it and you have to do conditions with it and you have to fix it. Anything that felt negative to you. I want to say the negative is a thought stopping cliche in and of itself. It's not negative. It's like um, preferences or boundaries or yeah, pain. Um, Even that, like it's just hitting me now. Like we, we called things positive and negative, but those were thought stopping cliches. because because you as soon as you say negative I'm like oh don't explore that let's not talk about it let's just you know it's negative I don't I don't think we should go any further because I understand that's negative um Mm -hmm. and then we had this understanding of like positive and negative and and it's just oh that was a thought-stopping cliche now that I, I understand it I was thinking about what were some of the negative experiences we had what we framed as negative I was thinking about the what you said about thought stopping cliches and like how that relates to cognitive dissonance, like, like a thought stopping cliche just sounds like something that you think and you're not allowed to think it. So then you immediately jump to a different thought that's more acceptable. Right. So I feel like the feeling of being negative and how much it was minimized or it was selfish or, it was your problem and instead of like processing through your emotions we would just jump to like you have to fix it yourself you have to deal with it instead of 
being shown like how to ask for help or being shown how to express it or deal with it it was always like shut it down fix it deal with it Mm -hmm. and it puts you into this really toxic way of thinking like I want to just go back to the black and white thing because black and white thinking is literally one of the most basic traits of a cult and people just I, I feel like it seems so minor but it really shapes so much of your life so much of your relationships everything you think and you do when you think of everything as either good or evil it really messes with you because it only takes um one thing it really only takes one thing for you to label something as good or evil which is why when people leave suddenly we're demonizing people and it's like oh they left evil and then you just find all the evidence you can think of in your head to like further justify this thought but it really it's really bad and I think that until I went to therapy and my therapist was like how about um we try switching those words right like and she told me to try thinking like healthy versus unhealthy instead of good or bad and that completely like I never went past that because it was just so helpful like just that like healthy versus unhealthy has really like changed the whole way of like uh, of my perception of things of everything and it's just like no nothing is good or bad because I'm tired I'm tired of hearing alcohol is good or bad dating is good or bad uh, drugs are good or bad like no nothing is inherently good or bad it's not true nothing has that inherent like you know good or badness it is something and it depends how you interact with it it depends um Mm -hmm of like what your intentions are too like it everything like it but it has nothing to do with that person or that object or whatever how Um, you interact with it makes it healthy on or unhealthy exactly like people want to say that um right like oh she left the church or uh she's dating so she's bad um but and and that was like a really hard thing, right? Like in therapy, like trying to explain to my therapist like that I saw dating as bad and she got mad at me. And obviously I never went back, but she got mad and she was like, dating's not bad. Why would you say dating's bad? I date, they date, she dates. I'm like, date. and I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but it really, it really, cause it's ingrained when you think bad or good, that's bad. If I do bad thing, I'm bad person, you know? But um, yeah, no, it, it's so annoying. It's like, oh, you have, you you see someone drink uh, some wine and you're like, oh my God, what a horrible person. They drink wine because <laughs> alcohol is bad. So now they're a bad person. It's so, it's such a messed up way of thinking and seeing the world and such a, it's just a really, I don't want to say negative. I just like, it's just, a really hurtful and really like like if you go through your life thinking that way you're really not going to live your best life you're going to live a very resentful really bitter really judgmental and critical life and you're never going to be happy like that it doesn't allow for your humanness and like your mistakes and especially when we're young like we shouldn't be told that we're never allowed to make a mistake. Like that's so much pressure to put on a kid. And yeah, 
think you just uncovered the reason why it was easy to cut people to their core is because of this dualistic thinking that if you participate in X or Y or Z, then it's a reflection of yourself. So mm. yeah, it was this dualistic nature. And I kind of think that's why I was the way I was. Um, so thank you for deconstructing that because it kind of <laughs> makes a little more sense. The other thing I want to say is unhealthy versus healthy allows for critical thinking because you have yes. to apply it in every situation. Like sugar for a diabetic whose blood sugar is 400 isn't good, but sugar for a diabetic whose blood sugar is 30 is good. Like, uh, But it's the same substance, just different situations. And it's up to your critical thinking to decide what what the proper course is. So I really like that you brought it to healthy on unhealthy because that's kind of what HK said in the last podcast is figuring out like when sex and relationships are healthy versus unhealthy and how to moderate and how to make your own choices and with your own preferences and your critical thinking. So I really, really like that you guys brought that up. And well, also I love that. accountability to, to not just yourself, but other people. Is this person good for me or bad? For, like, well, not good or bad, sorry. Unhealthy or healthy. And am I doing something healthy or unhealthy for me? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I love that. I feel like we've come full circle. I love that. Yeah, I think we have. Mm-hmm. Like for people that are like looking for relationship and dating advice, this is not the episode, but for like Moonies <laughs> and ex-Moonies who are looking to understand why they are the way they are, <laughs> this is a great episode. Well, it's not about relationships, romantic relationships, but it's about how we relate and how we were taught to relate and how I think thinking unhealthy versus healthy is a great way to try to understand how we relate now. So... I yeah, think but- it really came full circle in terms of how we relate. Yeah. Essentially the first building block of healthy dating and healthy relationships. So, I mean, people want the answers because they just want to go into dating and just see and test the waters. But the truth is there's a lot of work to be done. There is a lot to deconstruct. There is a lot to unlearn and learn new things and Sometimes you just got to face the facts. You have to do the work first or you're going to end up hurting people. And that's just that's just the truth, you know, and you got to take that responsibility upon yourself to do the work first sometimes. Yeah, it's not going to happen like a fairy tale. It's not going to happen if you just pray for it. You know, it is work and we mm-hmm. can't spiritually bypass the work. No. Yeah, There's spiritually no void. No work. <laughs> I think um, I think no matter what choices you make, you're always going to risk hurting somebody. And what really matters is that you have the tools to not hurt their core and that you have the tools to talk through difficult conflicts and to resolve. I think that's really important because like in a marriage now, even with parent uh, as a parent, as a parent, especially like I hurt my kids by by accident, but I have the tools needed to speak with them about how we can fix it, to create a safe place for conflict and resolution and growth, I think is really, really important. We weren't given that structure of conflict resolution. And I think if you can walk away with anything, it's just that we were raised to be spiritually avoidant 
<laughs> relationship avoidant. And mm-hmm. that's something that you can work on and grow and try not to attack somebody to their core and to create a safe place in a relationship is really important. And I just want to say it takes time to figure out like what you want in a relationship, especially if you were never asked or never taught that you could want things. You know, I feel like that really takes so much time in any relationship that you form afterwards. Like just the other day, like uh, my boyfriend and I got into an argument and I realized that I was telling him you're not listening instead of saying I I'm not sure what I want to say and I need time to think about everything that I want to say but I felt like I had to have an answer and I had to say something right there and he was like I am listening to you and it basically got lost in translation and like part of me just kept saying you're not listening you're not listening instead of saying what I meant to say which is I need I need to think about what I want first before I answer that question Mm -hmm. that's a really that's so true especially like (laughs) I feel like being raised with another language and um having like Japanese was my first language I don't remember any of it but I feel like there's a lot of um clicks that are delayed with my opinions being formed also with my speech uh, also you know being raised in a cult so it's really important to ask yourself for time you don't have to have an answer right away. You might feel frustrated and not know why for days, but you can communicate, hey, I'm feeling frustrated. I don't know why, but I'm going to need some time. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a good tool. That, and it's not putting our relationship in jeopardy. I just can't figure it out right now. So please just give me some space. From from our cultural background, I think that's a really good thing. It's huge. Yeah. A lot of things get miscommunicated. And also growing up with parents who didn't speak the same language, a lot of things got miscommunicated. You know, it happens so easily. And you can speak the same language and still have a lot of miscommunications. <laughs> so, Misak, I know we've had you on the podcast for a few episodes. So I'm so happy you're back. Thank you for coming back and joining us. Um, Hakja, I didn't ask about introducing you so if we kind of do this this is kind of the theme on the podcast is that I introduce people at the very end of the conversation (laughs) but if you'd like to plug in anything um you can do so plug like plug my at instagram (laughs) yes of course (laughs) no I'm not (laughs) that's okay you don't have to that's quite all right you've divulged enough yeah I feel like it doesn't matter yeah I think I it's it's said my basic story like at least the the main thing of it because I've had a lot of people in my dms asking me like why are you doing this you know and I was like I'll explain like in my posts and and I'm not sure that they still understand and I think that um this is a good way to kind of give them some insight and some answers because some things are for social media, but I feel like putting my whole life like that is not, it's not the, I don't feel like it's the place for me. I feel like this is better. This is a more like, yeah, I don't know. If you know Hakcha, you know Hakcha. If you don't know her, how like how don't you know me (laughs) (laughs) you know now (laughs) yes I don't know I've 
I interacted with a lot of people from a lot of different states, a lot of different countries. If if they don't know me, that's I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 24. I'm an Aquarius. I got issues. I'm on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we're all on this podcast. That's perfect. I got issues. Y'all, y'all need to listen. We we got issues. We got some we got, serious issues. We got issues. Yeah. <laughs> I read the entire DP and I still think it's wrong. So mm-hmm. believe me. I, used to mm. I got credibility. I ran workshops mm. by myself. Wow. Uh, I've been to all the workshops. Yeah. I've spoken to all the leaders. I... I have a yeah. degree in psychology. Yes. I know my shit. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you you've got you've got religious abuse and religious trauma and I'm sure if they don't know hakcha, they know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Cuz it's mm-hmm. it's the foundation. Yeah. We know what you're talking yeah. about. True. So, thank y'all for speaking on on so many things, I think the core was, yeah, conflict resolution and knowing how to relate to yourself in context. So thank y'all for putting down examples. Uh, this is a lot to think about and a lot to mull over for our listeners. Um, is there anything you want to say to the listeners before they go about the rest of their days? You got this. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It might be a struggle now, but it'll be worth it later. I don't know. I think people who are still in the church, I think the biggest thing is going to be like right now, it's like, do it for your future. Do it for your kids. Do you really want them to go through the same things? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the biggest motivator when you're still in the church. So make sure you make a better future for them. It's been a lot of people that have told me that they were, you know, they did the whole course and then they had children in the church and that's when they realized they can't do this to their kids. That's yeah. what it took to realize that they were treated wrong is, is the love for their children. And um, yeah, that's hard. A, f- a common theme that I'm hearing from all these um, interviews and panels is that it takes time. It takes time. So one thing I want to say is be compassionate, give yourself compassion, give yourself time. The learning curve is endless and it's going to take time so much time to undo a lifetime of conditioning Mm -hmm. and to celebrate the little things. Something Marina said in one of the the episodes is when you're struggling with like depression and feeling down and and anxiety, like you're not supposed to be where you are or where you want to be is celebrate your little accomplishments. That is so Mm -hmm. big for where you are now. The fact that you're even walking, that's a huge, you know, celebrate the little accomplishments Yeah, seriously. to get you through. You have to remind yourself of how far you've come because people won't, you know, and I want just want to say, like, I hope the people listening, like, if you have support, like, lean on your supports, you know, it's so hard to feel to feel like you have to do things alone. And what you were saying, Renee, like, just it's going to take time and it's going to take time to reparent yourself and to not feel guilty for asking for what you want and what you need and what you deserve you know there's nothing wrong with asking for for love hopefully for the people that 
don't have any support, this podcast can be just a little bit, just a tiny, tiny piece of support that can get people through. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys for being so vulnerable and for sharing your stories and we'll continue to celebrate our, our accomplishments and our diversity. Sure. Yeah. Thanks Renee for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you, Renee. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay. We're going to stop recording. (laughs) And there you have it folks. The second part of Elizabeth community, let these stories be heard. Let these stories empower you. You are not alone. You are not crazy. These things happened. We have been gaslit to believe that this is how it is. It doesn't have to be this way. And with these stories, we can unravel the way it is and make it the way we want it. So let these stories give you your voice. Let these stories give you language. Let these stories give you a little more sense of yourself. Because that's all we're looking for. If you would like to be a guest on this podcast, please contact me at RenRobotArt. I would be interested in talking with you. We're going to change the world one story at a time. Like always, take care of yourselves, take care of your mental, and I will talk with you again soon.